Welcome to everyone's favorite podcast, It's Reclaimed Audio, with your hosts, Phil Pinsky, Bill Lutz, and Tim Sway. Welcome everybody to this week's episode of Reclaimed Audio. This is episode 256 for October 7th, 2020. Reclaimed Audio is brought to you by Klingspore's Woodworking Shop. The sale continues on the 50-tooth combo blade using codes BROCCOLI, UTILIZE, or DISAGREE. You too can get 10% off. Go to woodworkingshop.com and get your deal on that 50-tooth combo blade. Wow, what a, like, top, what a read. Hold, that was amazing. Yeah, Not that bad, was eh? really good. But, but Phil, I, I got to... But, but, but... Listen, but, but, you're going to love this. You're going to love am this. Am I? All right. I promise. Okay. So I was sitting in the truck with Taz, and I got your little message about, hey, check out my, my video. Mm. And so I sat there with Taz, and we watched your video. Oh, and so, thank you. And we both... By the way, it's just... you. Yours are so much more refined than mine. I mean, that's. I, I feel like when I watch your video, I can sit back, cross my legs, and enjoy the show. I really do. That that's the refinement is amazing. However, Taz says, "Well, Bill, did you get a video too?" I says, "Yeah." So I show it in mine. He's all, "You know what? My contract." Because Taz is rebuilding his, uh, adding a room to his house. His contractor. He loves this older dude. He's actually been working with him. He says, "You know what? I'm going to buy one of those blades right now for my contractor." He's all. Yeah. I says, well, you can use you can use a code to save some money, and I didn't give him your code. I gave him mine. I just thought you should know that. Nope, I didn't need to hear that. Not even a little. No, this it week- was actually it was your it was your video that inspired that transaction. So that's what I wanted to say. So I gave him oh. my code. So <laughs> I did give him my code, but your video inspired him. So. Oh, terrific! Good. I mean, there's a compliment in there somewhere. I'm sure if I dig deep enough. This week's top Patreon supporters are Lakeside Woodcrafter, Stu Morrison, The Godfather, Jimmy DeResta. Greg, oh, I skipped Scott. Scott Turner, Greg Mead, Chad Grossclaws, Shane Bronson, Jeff Shaw, Infinite Craftsman, LiquidRC.com, Jim Bashirs, Paul Jackman, the boys over at Maybe I've Said Too Much, which I believe they are working on a new episode, uh, first time, I think, this decade, maybe. Um, Creator Nader, Wesley Treat, Rob Ray, Darren Mattis, Isotunes, Tim Holliner, Keith Decent, fine, and of course, Gangi and Pop Pop Makerspace. What are we working on, Tim Sway? I'm not allowed to tell you. Bill Lutz. I am I am actually in the process of deciding my next project, and um, I think because I just don't need anything, right? And, and it took it was that amazing discussion about the uh, Art Deco that got me inspired to make the coffee table. Casey loves it, by the way. Um, but I'm like, well, what else? What else? And I'm like, you know, what? I don't need anything. I don't want to make anything. So I think I'm going to try and make an art piece, an unnecessary something that I don't need, that I want to make for the sake of utilizing some skill sets or materials or something. So I'm kind of open right now. So I've been thinking about just what what do I want to make? Tim's drooling over here. What do you got, Tim? I want it. Come on, come on. I got some also, but go I, you go first. I just like that um, because wow. yeah, I've always been like, not always, but a big part of me is always like, yeah, hey, you know, art for art's sake, hey, make it do something. You should always do something. But lately I've been thinking more about 
making things that don't necessarily do something. And this, I can talk about this because Phil said I couldn't talk about about musical instruments today. Um, so that's during why had, the topic. Well, you know, I I, I take your threats seriously, and uh, you know, I, I, <laughs> hardly I a threat, but all right. Um, but so, but I did this weekend. Um, my my wife and Vance and I went to a, a field. It's there's all these like in, there's all these amazing people that have live or have lived in Connecticut. Um, it's a very small state. You wouldn't really think it, but it's a lot of because um, we're right in between Boston and New York. So a lot of times, like you know, artists from New York. Um, and, and that work in that area, they, they settle in Connecticut, which is one of the reasons why I moved back here too as a musician because I was traveling back and forth. But so there's all these famous artists and architects and people that have lived in Connecticut and there's these little corners in these, in these like small little rural towns where all of a sudden there's just this amazing stuff. And my, my wife has been, you know, kind of looking in, especially in the, the COVID era, I was like, well, what can we do that's not indoors and, you know, yada, yada. And um, so she found this, this artist I'd never heard of before. His name is David Hayes. And um, he passed away about that, yeah. passed away about seven years ago, uh, and the the property that he lived on is actually in the town I used to live in. Um, I went to elementary school there before moving out, Coventry, Connecticut. And um, so there's this it's like 50 acres of land, and about half of it there's something like 300 of his sculptures that are there. And it, there's like oh. no signage or anything. You just kind of like it was like there's like a Facebook or a, a website and it tells you go here and just pull in and just walk around. So it's weird because it's like you feel like you're just like walking into some guy's yard because this is like a house and it's just like where he lived and he raised his family there. But but so his his son was there when we showed up. Um, I guess he's there quite a bit. He lives in New York now, but so he was there doing um, he, you know taking care of the property. He's the one sort of setting it up, trying to get events to happen there and. And have it people you know there's like it's just you can just walk around for free but there's a donation box you know and um super nice guy so we ended up talking to the son um and, you know he told us all about his dad and the work but it was just amazing because it's just these giant like fields with all these this guy's big steel sculptures everywhere and they're all in various like levels of disrepair um you know some of them are being restored and painted between the sun and some other people are kind of restoring them and stuff and and then some of them are just rusted out from being there, you know, and like vines growing over. But it was really neat because you would see, like, you know, you go to a museum and you see like one or two pieces by an artist, but then you go somewhere where there's like 300 of them. So you really see the thought process and like there's like 20 that all kind of look the same and he's developing the theme. Right, right. And then you see like, so some of, you know, we looked, he would weld his, his name. He wasn't even like a, like a, he was kind of a sloppy welder. It wasn't even like, he was just like stick welding things together. But it's, then you can see when he got a plasma cutter in the 2000s. You know, because you could tell it was plasma cut instead of being cut by hand. And um, and then, like, there was some from the 70s. You know, it was just really, really cool to kind of walk around and do that. So it inspired me, much like you, Bill, to, like, think, like, well, why does everything I make have to do something other than just be beautiful? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't I, have to I, do like, something. It could say something. Right. I like that, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that is what you'd think of art, right? You think of, you know, a visual stimulation that, that conveys some kind of a message generally provocative yeah yeah exactly yeah well i could i could certainly say something about uh let's see politics no no one did uh, relate no uh. i'm not gonna do that <laughs> uh, i got uh, i got something for you are you ready because yes. I, I inspired yes. you with art deco so i'm going to inspire you with a new art movement it's not new obviously uh it's called bauhaus Mm-hmm. And it and it's. I've heard you mention that. I, yeah. It reminds me of puppies, but uh, Google it. So it's B A U H A U S, and it's basically uh, geometric forms, but not like squares or triangles. More like polygons, so a bunch of different shapes. So I was thinking, 
I don't know if you've ever done this. Have you ever worked with, um, with like stone, like uh, power carving stone? I angle have, grinder. I have. Yes, but not artistically. I mean, I've you know some masonry, some things like that allows you to do that. So I was thinking, because you go to that, um, I think you have stone beaches in San Francisco, right? Uh, I don't know if you want to go ahead. Just anyways, I was thinking that you'd find like some big river stones, and essentially you'd you'd sort of power carve them with an angle grinder and maybe like a you know a diamond wheel, and turn this into these shapes that are considered Bauhaus, and you arrange it onto a table and epoxy or fill it in with sand and then epoxy it or something. But that's the next sort of art movement that, you know, that kind of uh, came actually before Art Deco and yeah. before Art Nouveau as well. But okay. uh, it's Bauhaus. interesting. Bauhaus. Bauhaus, Bauhaus yeah. Sort of a is response like a name to... or a region? What is that? It was a school. It was, it was a, school a school of school art in Germany. In Germany. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it, was, it was sort I of like, like a that. response to Cubism, if I remember my art history correctly. Yeah. Yeah. Every art movement is a response to the previous art movement, right? right? So you can so it's easy to map them. So exactly yeah. right. It would be like after cubism or even pointillism, right? So that it was they were breaking free from, you know, the structure of cubism and they were doing geometric forms that were not um, symmetrical, you know. Right. And then with cubism, you know, it was Ooh, a lot of times about taking geometry. an object and then, like, sort of examining it from all sides, where Bauhaus didn't necessarily start with the original. It wasn't like, oh, here's Susan playing guitar. It was just like, here's a bunch of shapes just because they're interesting. Yeah. They weren't, like, trying to recreate right. Susan in a style. They no. Were, yeah. Should have called her Karen, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that would have helped. It would have helped me. It would calm me down. It would calm me down a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. Phil, what are you working on? So, um, I just. I finished my cling spore video, and uh, and so the product is something that I'm I made for somebody specifically. It's a cover for a light fixture, but uh, during the midst of that uh, that project, I I got a little kiss from my table saw. Oh, that's took sweet. About, oh, yeah. Oh wait, didn't no, feel it's that not. <laughs> no, it's not. Yeah. So I took about a like if you think about your finger and you look down at the fingernail. I took an eighth of an inch, like, down the middle of that, so that my fingernail now looks like a U, and the flesh that was in between that is currently atomized. Uh, so, yeah. So, basically, I, my, I was running my blade too high, and, and I was running a tall piece of wood through it to sort of shave off the finish so that I could just, you know, not have to sand it, just give it a little quick little, maybe a 32nd, a 16th, take that finish off real quick, and I was onto my third board, when I was reaching to the other side of the blade to sort of finish that cut, and I wasn't paying attention, incredibly stupid of me, and I just sort of just touched down on the blade very quickly and pulled it down, and then that chunk of my finger was gone. Ran inside the house, gauzed it up, taped it up, and went back to work because Klingspor, they are a cruel taskmaster. <laughs> just kidding. I, I just will kidding. Say, I did uh, go back to work, though, because I need I don't have that many free nights, so I had to get it done. Watching the video, um, uh, I, I mentioned that I had talked to Taz, you know, we were talking with Taz, and we yeah. both pointed out, I'm like, there it is, there's the Band-Aid, look, right there. Because it was like <laughs> yeah. it showed up about midway yeah. through the video, so. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I, I, did, I, know, I finished editing it this morning, I was like, Oh, you can see my stupid moment. Yes, there it is. Oh, minute six. Okay. Uh, yeah, so, and I just started doing a drawer repair. Like, uh, one of these, you know, melamine chipboard drawers that comes with one of those built-in units. 
So one of my uh, one of my friends, and they're actually a neighbor down the street. She's like, "Can you fix my drawer? I think it might be a little broken." So her husband brings it by, and it's held. The sides are held in place with dowels. So yes. if you take a look yes. at the drawer front, the dowels go perpendicular. So every time you pull on the drawer, you're pulling against that joint. Yeah. So eventually it it gives, and the whole chipboard fell apart. And I'm like, you know, I have to replace all the wood here. Like I basically have to rebuild this drawer keeping only the front and maybe the bottom, but everything else has to be replaced. Uh, anyway, so that was, I did that earlier. I began it anyways. And here's a tip, uh, not a tip, the opposite of a tip. I'm asking for your tips. I, what, instead of using dowels, I used pocket holes um, because the all the dowels were glued in. So I just sawed them flush and then put my wood where the existing wood was and then pocket holes. But I broke through maybe yeah a, six, a sixteenth of an inch maybe even more maybe like an eighth of an inch on three or four of these uh, before I even noticed it so can I retract the screws and do you think maybe put in like some CA glue or something and make, exactly. make it flat again yeah, yeah that's exactly what I would do I put a little CA sawdust in there there's gonna be a spot no matter what that you're gonna see yeah. but yeah that's exactly what I would do I mean you could do it even so with wood glue saying- and sawdust so the visible surface. So are your surface. screws too long? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, what just, I'll do now is I'll just sort of like shave down. I'll take out the screws, I'll shave them down, and then I'll put it back in. Yeah. But yeah, to just, fix that sort of You can just use a pair of wire cutters veneer. and clip off, you know, a little bit of the screw. Yeah, and then just what Tim it. said, just use uh, sawdust and CA glue or even, even wood glue. Wood sawdust. glue, yeah. yeah. Well, because the front is not wood, right? The front is chipboard with a plastic veneer. Oh, what color is the veneer? Through? Like like some taupe wood grain thing. Yeah, you're gonna want to just try to match that whatever that is as much as you can. So it might even be. I mean, you still do your your CA glue or in sawdust or whatever. And if you see, you yeah. might just have to get like a little, you know, a little paint and mix some on a little piece of paper or whatever, and see if you can get just a little color to dab it. Or you can just this, not. This care. is on a drawer face. Is that right? Yeah. So why don't you just veneer over that with a drawer face? Oh yeah, like you could veneer over thing. the whole. Th- well, it's part of a piece of furniture, so he's trying to match yeah, it. If he buys a new veneer, it's like never gonna match. One of sixteen drawers. Yeah. So, oh, yeah, one of 16 drawers. Well, yeah, like you make 16 veneers. <laughs> yeah. Or you could just uh, make little tiny holes in the other 15 drawers and just ha- make it an accent piece so they all have the same dots. Right, so, wait, all right, hold on, hold on. Seriously. Big brain. Big brain. Yeah. Is, is the, the drawer face the same? Is the drawer face the same uh, as some of the other surfaces on this desk? I, it's a, like a vanity or like a wardrobe or something. What I'm saying is, like, yeah. the, the drawer face is this melamine taupe whatever, right? Yeah. Is that the material that's on other parts of this desk? Yeah. Is there anywhere you can steal yeah. a piece of that same wood from behind it, take the drawer face off, put – you know what I mean? Like the yeah, I do not you mean, because yes. by design, the way they make that stuff is they only put the veneer where you see it. You know what I mean? Because they're yeah. just – it's all about being cheap. So probably I can't not. imagine mm-hmm. – yeah, it's an interesting idea – like, but that means I'd have to make kind of like the holes bigger, so that I could put in, let's say, a, right. and use like a a plug cutter to cut a circle of it, right? And then yeah. sort of that's what I'm saying, yeah. But yeah. you're better off just you only have a pinhole hole right now. You're better off just filling it. I mean, it's yeah. what is like literally the size of like the tip of a paper clip, right? Yeah. Yeah. No. Oh, dude. Um. Uh. You said it's a taupe, like a brownish. Yeah, like a very warm, earthy color, like a very warm gray, what I'd call taupe. 
Order order some sharpies online. Seriously, just order yeah, some yeah. sharpies online yep. and match it with the sharpie. If you just if you use your thumb, mark the sharpie Smudge on your it. thumb and then put that wet ink on there. Yep. It'll kind of hide it. It'll look like I, I don't know. If it's that small, you're not going to notice it. Yeah, so. if something gray okay. like yeah. Yeah, that's what I was thinking with the with the paint or whatever. A gray sharpie would probably do it. Yeah. Okay. All right. Cool, 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 cool. Yeah. Cool. I wouldn't worry about it. Uh, I'm not too worried. I'm doing them a huge favor. Um, it's free but, and it's not yours. No problem. But th- this <laughs> is a this is a perfect segue into. I mean, you have two segues into our topic, right? The show must That's go true. on. One is when you injure yourself. That was one part of that title, and the other part is the like. Well, I've you got didn't a problem actually tell us what you were up to though, Tim. I did. I went to that art museum. You went to the art museum. Yeah, yeah making, you, oh, you kind of. And I'm making things I'm not allowed to talk about. What I was up to? I thought he that segued was out I of and back into yours. Yeah. Oh, brilliantly really done. Like that and then you segued over into Phil. It's really it's it's poetry. Honestly, yeah. tic tac toe, boys. Yep. Well done. I'm I'm so good. I don't even know what just happened. Yeah, that must happen a lot. <laughs> All um, the time. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, so the show must go on. Of course, uh, that could be many things. Um, and for the sake of this conversation, let's say it means anytime you've had, let's say, a work site injury and you just had to get back into it, what happened? What'd you do? Or did you run out of materials? Did you run out of cash? How did you finish the build? Ready, steady, go. Let's go with Tim Sway this time. Uh, wait, what was the question? <laughs> um... Do, don't make right. me do my impression of Queen. Okay. Wait, who does the show must go on? Is it Queen? Uh, Journey. No, that goes back to like the 1930s, like, like actress. Show must go on. Oh. Yeah. Who oh, does that? Who sings that? I don't know. You're, you're, yes, you do. This is what you I, do for a living. Not from that thing you just said, that noise you made. I have no idea what you're it talking about. It is Queen. <laughs> what, you, honestly, Freddie Mercury was in here for a second. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he was. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. yeah, there's I I mean I can think of I can think of injuries of course, uh, where then you have to get back to work. But um the first thing that popped in my head for that was um I had made this kind of before I settled into the, like I was gonna work only reclaimed, one of my earliest pieces and it was a um it was a uh, uh, like a entertainment center credenza type credenza type thing. It was like a white lacquer finish with like walnut doors that slid sideways and Nice. Um, it was beautiful. Yeah, it was a beautiful piece, and and I really I really busted my butt. I remember building a tent out in my driveway um, to spray the to spray this because you know I didn't want leaves and stuff falling in it. And I I grabbed all these like two I like literally built because I have this like retaining wall in my driveway. It's about seven feet high, and so I literally built two walls just like stick framed out of two by fours, and um, and threw tarps all over them and stuff. And I, I had this little space. And I would drag my compressor and I spray this and. And it came out like you know, so it was like really like that type of meticulous. And, I, and this is probably when I was like, you know what? I don't I think I want to work rustic. <laughs> probably that day. I <laughs> yeah. but, uh, it's a little easier. Well, I just I wasn't qualified to do this type of work, so it took me ten times longer than it should have, you know, and all that. And um, and I bring it to delivery. And I had my brother-in-law help me. It was in it was somewhere in Manhattan, and you know that's always a hassle. And we get it in and we set it all up and uh, and I've you know I've got it like hung on the wall and a French cleat and everything and and the guy comes in he looks at it, he's like oh he's like it looks pretty good you know thank you very much and he's like opens it up and he's like well where's the 
there's no, how can I get the wires through here? And I was like, what wires? He's like, well, it's a, it's a stereo console. And I was like, oh, uh, I didn't know it was a stereo console. I, I had no idea. I would never thought anything to even ask him what he was going to use it for. I just pictured it as like holding books. But of course, it's a freaking credenza. Like people put TVs on them and stuff. Right. Um, so he wanted to have components inside that were connected to the TV. Um, and so I had nothing to to do. We needed a like a hole big enough for like plugs to go through and stuff. And I didn't have a hole saw or anything. So I sent my brother-in-law. I was like, "Is there a hardware store around here?" And um, and uh, you know, he's like, "Yeah, there's one a couple blocks down." So my brother-in-law went down and. And I bought like the, the most expensive hole saw ever because it was in a hardware store in downtown Manhattan. It was like thirty-five dollars right. for like this like hole saw, and um, and it wasn't even like a good one. And uh, and I went to, <laughs> and so you know we got it. We saw we take the thing off the wall and we were, like drilling these holes and because there was like a gap and whatever. But so I had to you know drill these like two holes in it. And sure enough, you know when you put a hole saw on, if you don't get it just right, it'll it'll like run. You know. Yeah. You know, they kind of grab and run a little bit. And so I did that on the... In- I mean, it was on the inside, not the outside, but I did that on the inside. And Ugh. and so it was like, yeah, I mean, the outside still looks fine, but you opened it up and it was just like, what a disappointment. <laughs> you know, because you just, you know, it just looked like someone took a hole saw to it. Like I could have, you know, and, and it's also because there was like, it was tight, so you couldn't get in there with the tool. You know, this should was a hole that would have been drilled before you assembled if I'd known it needed to be there. And For and, sure. Um, but, you know, like, you know, like you said, the show must go on. So you, you solve it, you do the best you can with what you have and... And uh, and that's, I got. I'm just upset again thinking about it. I'm sorry I brought that up. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I'd rather talk about my injuries. That one hurt more. <laughs> Let me ask you a technical question to take the bruise off that yep. sting. Um, you sprayed lacquer paint. Did you did you mix your own paint with lacquer, or you bought it as a tinted lacquer? I actually he like you know again like I just I. Hindsight being 2020, I probably would have just gotten some rattle cans. I probably could have gotten a better finish. Then I went out and actually bought real lacquer, mixed yeah. it with lacquer thinner, did that whole bit. And um, But do you I, mix you it know, with a pigment as well? No, it was white. It was all white. So they actually, you could buy white lacquer. Um, okay. And uh, yeah, and I just, I I lacquered it. I mean, it was not not great, but it wasn't bad. You know what I mean? Like... Hmm. You, you know. should put that on your Etsy store. Yeah, yeah. It's not great, but it wasn't but bad. It's not bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, but that's like, but that's that whole, that's like I was just talking about that with my wife tonight. You know, that's like everything is, everything you do is practice for the next one, and then you die. You know, it's like, like I heard a quote. It was um, Stacey Abrams talking in an interview, and, and her quote was um, that uh, she said, uh, I think it was her TED talk. Actually, she was like, she's like, well. So going backwards isn't an option and standing still isn't good enough so you got to go forward right and that's that's kind of like with something like that it's like if i just kept doing that same lacquer job every time i lacquered something that was that's not good enough of course the next one mm-hmm. I, gotta, I do is going to be better you know what i mean it has to you have to progress otherwise you're just you're going backwards or you're not doing anything you know are you suggesting that it's a choice what do you mean? It's a choice to, to progress. Well, I mean, I think I think you inherently, automatically do better given the previous experience. I don't think it's a choice. Oh well, yeah, ab- to get ab- better necessarily. Ab- ab- I disagree. It's absolutely one hundred percent a choice because the choice could be to just quit. I don't want to do this anymore. No, right. but like if you if it's your job and you're doing the next one again and you're doing it with lacquer again, you have the experience from the previous one. Automatically, you're going to be better at it the next time, even well, if it's marginally uh, so. 
Yeah, you. in theory, there are some people that don't yeah, like Yeah, I'm with Tim on yeah. that. In theory, yes, yeah. but I know people, and that ain't always the case. I mean, I know... They just do crap jobs over and over and over again? I know well, I've told okay, it. Let me, yeah. let, me, let, me, <laughs> let me be a little bit nicer about that. No. But I, here's something where the show must go on, right? In, in that vein, nothing specific, but you do something, and you try this lacquer thing, and it, it doesn't come out great. And then what happens is, well, you know... The next time around, my next one, I am going to do better. So you come up with the genius idea that is completely stupid, yeah. and now you did do a worse job, but you didn't intend to. You were you thought now that I know this, uh, right? That's an interesting, valid point. Okay, yeah. yeah. So you actually take two steps backwards, trying to take one step forward. Sometimes, and, and it call it learning a bigger lesson. I guess right. You added yeah. to the lesson of the first mistake. You just made a bigger mistake and a bigger lesson. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's quite the school you guys go to. Um, okay, that's interesting. What about you, Bill? What's a uh, show must go on moment for you? Well, um, well, we'll try and stay away. I mean, there's there's injury. We can all talk about injuries. We we were talking. Yes, about indeed, it. we can. Let's do pick it. A, pick a tool. Um, how about the show yeah. must go on? I I just started. Yeah, pick a tool. Um, just started dating Casey, and we both work together at an animal hospital. It's a nonprofit animal hospital. Uh, emphasis on the nonprofit. So in 2008-ish, when the economy basically didn't want to play anymore, didn't want to play nice with others, I started watching. Um, they're laying off support staff. They're laying off doctors. They're laying off all these people because it's a nonprofit. There's just no money and maintenance. What I do, facilities maintenance. I don't make any money. I only spend money. I don't do anything that brings money in. I just spend it. And it, I just saw it coming, and I got laid off. So, well, the show must go on. The economy was tanked. I have a very specific skill set, like Liam Neeson, right? I knew you were going to say that, <laughs> yes. Well done. Um, but, I mean, I couldn't – there wasn't a lot of work out there for what I do. So, word of mouth, and, and I did a deck for somebody, right? And then they told somebody else, and, and basically because they knew I was out of work. And so, this word of mouth thing traveled, and I had probably – over the course of six months until I got the job I have now, um, probably seven or eight people who were paying me 30 bucks an hour to do things for them. Redoing, f- yeah, uh, yeah, fences, yard work, uh, decks, you know, fixing stuff, painting. So yeah, the show must go on. And, and at first it was, it kind of sucked because your pride gets in the way. It's like, oh man, but then after a while it's like, actually I earned this. I didn't, because none of these people are just giving me money. It's like, hey, I need this thing. This is a thing I can't do, um, and I'm willing to pay you to do that. So, yeah, the show must go on, and it worked out well. I was able to – in fact, I didn't have to even pay rent because the dads, I was living with them, uh, they said, well, you know, since you don't have any money, we need a new back fence, and we need the new deck rebuilt. So that's how I was paying my rent for, for the few months that was going on. But, yeah. That, that, that's pretty sweet. Interesting. Interesting you say that. Did you say that you don't think that there's like there wasn't a lot of demand for Jensen? Not really. It's just that everybody was looking for work. So the, the competition for it, because I, I went and I applied for jobs, Phil. Like I went to this one, uh, it was uh, the YMCA or something like that. One, one, a thing like that, right? For this regional um, facilities supervisor. So to cover yeah. like four buildings in an area, right? Not, oh man, I'm so qualified for this, right? I, I've got it. I go in there, there were banking executives, there were tech people all oh applying for the same job. I mean, wow. so it's, it's, it's not that there wasn't work, it's just that there was more people than there was work. But I feel like you're still, wait. I mean, I agree with you. 
I'm just saying, you're probably way more qualified than the bank executive to figure out how to do facilities management. I, I agree. I, I, I wish you would have been the guy I interviewed with. Well, I don't know who got that, that job, but I mean, it was funny that because I'm sitting there talking to people on my day of interviews. And yeah, one guy was a, a bank manager. You know, just didn't okay. didn't have any didn't have a job. And he's all, yeah, I remember I was a kid when I was 19. I used to do uh, maintenance, yard maintenance, with some. I mean, so you know, he's got a resume that looks like he knows what he's doing. I'm like, okay, so. And Meanwhile, I guess for him, that was his show must go on moment. That right? was his show must go on, right? You do what you got to do. And I think that's what it is. When we say the show must go on, it's like when adversity strikes, do what you got to do. Yeah, yeah, honestly. If that means using a different tool, a subpar tool, using a tool in a way that, you know, like I bet if you had a jigsaw on that site, Tim, you would have used that to make that hole. You know what I mean? Like you would right, use whatever you, you had. Yeah, whatever you have. I mean, um, you know, the, the, we did an episode like that a long time ago. We're talking about like kind of MacGyverisms too, which is... Right. Sort of, sort of a different topic, but along the same vein. But that just reminded me real quick that uh, my father lost his job. He was laid off in '91 or '92 when the, we had that economic crisis then. And uh, you know, he's a very educated man, and he was, uh, you know, upper management. He was um, human resources, you know, personnel director at a, at a business that just having was having hard times. And um, I remember he got a job pumping gas, you know, like literally, literally pumping gas. Um, and I remember how hard that was for him, but also how valuable of a lesson that was to kind of remind you that no matter who you are and what you do, like, you know, it can all fall apart. And as long as you know how to work, you're going to be okay, you know. And uh, I mean, I felt horrible that it happened, but it, he kind of taught me that because I was like 18 years old and 19 years old at the time. And I actually lost my job at the same time as him. And it was like kind of like at first it was like kind of depressing, but then it was like kind of inspirational too, you know. Richard Sway, class act. You got to trust, too, that um, if you believe in any kind of a a higher power karma, you know, the universe is lined up in your favor, you do the right thing and it'll come back around. Because after that six months, when I took the job with the airport, it wasn't for, I mean, my title, official title now is I am the senior airport maintenance worker, right? I'm, I'm doing good. Life, I love my job. However, when I got the job at the airport, it wasn't doing that. It was for cleaning toilets. I straight up, there's yep. 11 toilets on the airport. And while it was light out, I was cleaning toilets. And when it was, and I was working the swing shift. And when it got dark, I drove around as a security guy, right? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I and it was for about 10 bucks less an hour, 10 to no, 12 bucks less an hour than I was making at my previous job. Mm. Wow. And uh, now That's I'm a huge. You know, yeah. Yeah, but it was a union job, so you knew there was a real future in it if you could keep it together. Well, things the the, the universe lined up, and again, I believe in karma, and I, I I believe that I am making up for all of my transgressions in my youth, and I still live my life huh. that way now because it's like I, I hurt a lot of people. When you're young and stupid, you, you know your mom worries about you, right? There's a lot of damage you do that you don't think about. So, I got this job with the idea that okay, when something opens up in the maintenance, um, but That'll, I probably got a good shot to get that, but it's going to be forever. I mean, these guys, it's a union job. These guys ain't quitting anytime soon. Mm. Well, it just so happened that one of the guys got sick, and I got a maintenance position. Then after that, the lead retired. So after after a year, I went from cleaning toilets to maintenance, and, and then nine months later, I was applying for the senior position, and I got it. So wow. it you know, lined up. I have, I have a similar story because where I worked, there was this guy that used to just drill with a hole saw right into anything that he made. And, uh, and I, I managed to just get that position. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, honestly, that guy. 
Yeah. yeah. Well, what about you, Phil? We already we know you just mentioned that you know you got injured uh, working on this project, and you just taped it up and went back out and and kept going. So there's there's one. But what else you got? Um, you know, there's there's job stuff. You know, you sort of you get laid off, and you know, um, you sort of reflect, and you you start playing the blame game, and what if, and who was out to get <laughs> me, and why did that happen, and. You know, like, did I deserve this? And and then at the end of the day, you got to realize, <clears throat> who cares? What's the difference? You know, at every job you work at, you are a mercenary. You are a hired gun, and you are valuable to them as long as you are killing. The instant you're not killing, you're no longer <laughs> valuable, and you're off the payroll, and you're done. And it took me a long time to figure that out, you know, because companies use a lot of terms that are um, – familial right they talk about you like oh this company we're like a family you know like we help each other out and we do and they and and corporations do that to sort of like build loyalty with their employees and it works because employees start to feel that way bottom up yeah but then the the top doesn't feel that way about the bottom you know what i mean like we need to say oh get rid of pinsky he's done so you know so i i got one of these moments where i was like I can't believe and whatever. You know what you realize at the end of the day? I got to put food on the table and rent, you know, is due every month. So I got back on the horse, went out hunting, hunting, hunting until I got a job. But uh, it's uh, it's painful. I I agree with everything you're saying, but there are there are cases where it's not like that because I, I worked in some places where I felt that way. And, and you know, oftentimes, like when I worked in the kitchens, um, you know, it was like, there's a camaraderie amongst the guys in the kitchen, but then the people that own the hotel could have cared less. You know what I mean? Right. Um, like, who are you? And then I even worked at a mom and pop place where I was like, you know, well, I thought that'd be pretty cool, but they were like, yeah, it was just bottom line, and and uh, it was not a pleasant experience like I thought. But I did have the one job. I worked for this this uh, chain of local newspapers uh, for a long time, and they they the same thing. And I w- I would always look for places like that. By that point in time, I had enough experience where I was like, well, you know, I didn't want to work at a big place. I didn't want to work for a big. I just, you know, had negative feelings about that, you know, even though I was still young and, and stuff. But there was something about them, and they really, like, they, they said all that stuff about being a family and all that. I'm like, yeah, yeah, whatever, you know. But then, I like, just in the course of my interview, I was just watching how people were interacting. And uh, I was like, yeah, maybe they're right. And they actually were. Like, that was a place that they were so good to me for so many years. They were better to me than I deserved, you know. Well, so I, there are, there are still goes- bosses like that. It's just they're harder I, to find. I think it's a combination of what you're both saying, right? I, 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 I don't care who you are and how much they tell you you're a family and how much they love you. When you're not producing, you're not necessary. Right. Like, like if I but was showing up drunk every place, day, they weren't going to keep me. <laughs> you know? Right. No. But, but the but idea yeah. is Also, is like, that, if the business changes or there's a slowdown in the economy, yeah. they're not going to take it out of their own pocket. Listen, Pinsky, we love you, but, uh, right. you know, time is tough. You that was go. when I ended up leaving that job was when the housing crisis of 07 happened and because uh, I was still working there part time uh, from home. Yeah. I'd been working for like five or six years or something like that. I've been working from remotely from home. And now it's like the COVID era. People are like, oh, wow, I can work from home. So I was doing it 20 years ago. But and it was it worked great then. It's easy. such a hipster. Yeah. Uh, but it's just like I, and I remember thinking then it's like, why is everybody still driving to offices? It's just stupid. <laughs> you know? But anyways, uh. um, like they kept me on. I remember the, the one of the owners called me, you know, personally, and and he was like, "Hey, he's like, you know, he's like, we got we took a hit because all of their 
revenue is like real estate ads basically you know for a newspaper that's like it's all real estate ads for community newspapers and they're like yeah we just we just took a huge hit you know and uh and i, I said you don't even have to say anymore you know because i was making music and doing other stuff i was like you don't have to make it yes you know, don't say anything else i know you got people that work there full-time with families give them my hours you know and he's like thanks man i appreciate it because he didn't want to he even then didn't want to lay me up but he had to you know right. so mm-hmm. but uh yeah so there's there's a few work? good guys out there and I, I would hope that if i ever get to the point like I don't really ever want to employ people because the stress is is difficult. But I would hope that I could be that guy. You know what I mean? That gives people a break. Like, it's it's tough. And let me. I'm going to speak on my wife's behalf. She uh, yeah. she spent seven years trying to create a workplace environment that she wanted to work in when she was just somebody's employee. And I think she achieved that. I think that she she. She provided the benefits that she could afford. She provided the counseling. They went on nature hikes and bonding exercises and all this stuff. And you know what? These ungrateful turds, they didn't care. So <laughs> I mean, seriously. And it's, I hate to be that way, but it's, they didn't. They just they didn't care. <laughs> but she, uh, but she's turds. her new place now, and and I'd like to report that it's uh, week number two. She just started her third week oh, yeah. today's Monday. Oh yeah, How's and it she's going? loving it, and Good. she's she's saying what you're saying, Tim. Right? It's like here's a bigger kind of a corporate type office job, but they they really treat people well. I mean, they they expect a lot from you, but they also show that appreciation. Right? They're building that loyalty by by saying, okay, you you perform, and we will compensate you, but not only with money, but with, you know, the the fringe benefits. It's just, you know, they they provide lunch, right? There's there's snacks here at the, the work. They uh, they're going to reimburse her for schooling. There's these these fringe benefits that make it more than just a job. No question. Listen, I wasn't saying that I worked at some boiler room, you know, where every day you got to clock no, in. No, no, I, I know, I know. They, while I was there, you know, I was very well liked and you know i loved everybody there and you know i i started all kinds of clubs and things to i started this lunchtime excel club to teach people who didn't know how to use excel how it would help them in their jobs and you know and i was recognized for all that stuff but at the end of the day when they decided that you know they couldn't afford me or whatever the case may be bye phil sorry Hmm. you know there is no Listen, we'd really like to help you. If we brought down your salary a little, then we could keep you on for a little bit longer. Maybe to help you, you know, transition. No, this is you're gone. Bye. Thanks. And and that is the reality. And I hope that you guys only ever experience the exception oh, to I've, that rule. But no, that is one hundred percent. I've been the there rule. too, where it's okay. like, thank you so much, but you have to go. Yeah. Yeah. You are the weakest link. Goodbye. <laughs> Remember that show? Let's meet and potato this thing up now. What are yeah. some? What are some? Uh, uh, show must go on because we're makers, right? So, and you two yep. actually make stuff for money or have made stuff for money. Any stories you can think of that were just really ingenuitive on your side, very just brilliant that you came up with this solution to this problem that occurred? I have one. I don't know how brilliant it is, but well, you're so, already brilliant, so it must be. That's a good point. I didn't think of that, but that's a good point. Um, so when I was making these whiskey boxes, and especially around Christmas time, like that, and the step stools, they would just they'd go like crazy. And and between work and traveling and all this stuff, I'd have to pump them out like crazy. And a lot of the times, I'd be up till two, three in the morning the night before I'd have to ship one. And I'm putting on finish, and then I'm busting out the heat gun to cure these things faster. 
both paint and finish and sometimes I'd get a little too close to the finish and it would bubble a little so I'd have to sand it back and put it back. Luckily I was using lacquer at the time actually because I was spraying and it was very quick and lacquer kind of self heals, right? Like you can spray more lacquer and it'll sort of fill into where it was, yeah, yeah. which mm. is a good finish for whatever speed and for being a dumbass. So uh, it's a good it's a good choice in that regard. So that's what I was doing. My, my brilliant invention is a heat gun and I would sit there and I'd breathe in those fumes and I'd heat it up real quick and put on the next coat as much as possible. And I wasn't even going for like a set amount of coats. I was going for um, saturation. As soon as the thing started to build a finish, I was done. Because sometimes, you know, reclaimed wood's very thirsty. And so you'd spray and it would just get sucked right in. Even in the long grain, it would get sucked right in. You have to put down more coats. So, uh, so I was just putting guerrilla style. Whatever needed to be done, do it quick. Heat gun, move over to the next one. Heat that one up. Hopefully it dries put down some tape, do the stencils. Sometimes I pull back the tape, it pulls back some paint, pulling my hair out, but uh, the show must go on. So dry it, paint it again, and then off we go. So yeah, crazy time constraints. Mm. It's not really maker-related, but it's just the first thing that popped in my head. I remember my, my buddy bought this cheap, stupid car, like, because, you know, we bought cheap, stupid cars all the time, and we'd actually... Excuse me, we'd actually talked about writing a book called Getting It Home, of just like some of the stupid things we did, you know, over the years to just get cars home. Mm. And um, he had his, jeez, uh, uh, I mean, there's so many so many stories with these cars, but the, the one that I was thinking of is that we bought this car, I drove him there to pick it up, and we're driving back, and he, we didn't have a plate on it, you know, he just bought it, and we were just driving it. And so it was like totally illegal, you know, and you do that stuff when you're 22, and you think you're, you know bulletproof but um so we we pull out we're like a mile from the guy's house like right downtown in some some little town and the car he just bought dies and there's no plate on it and it's like sunday and like people are going in and out of church and there's the cop directing traffic a couple blocks down and his car breaks down we're like oh man so we had to diagnose and figure out how to get this car moving very quickly and um we figured out it was the fuel pump relay because that was a common thing to check on these cars it was old, old volvos and he uh and so we're like okay the fuel pump relay is not sending fuel you know it's like turning off and so the car's not getting fuel and it's starving and and uh so we decided we needed to jump it and uh he just goes we had no tools or anything well we didn't think we didn't think to do that buying a 500 hundred dollar car you know (laughs) to bring a toolbox and he my buddy this is my buddy dylan he he popped the trunk grabbed the speaker wire yanked it out of the speaker stripped it with his teeth and jumped the relay and and had this the the wire like just you know undid the relay and just had it plugged into the fuse box so as he turned the key stuck the wire into the fuse box was able to start the car and drive and then if he turned the car off he just unplugged it because it just kept continually pumping fuel you know and uh and so he <laughs> that was his i've never been more impressed with another human being as i, I thought, am right now yeah it was just he just like <laughs> he just pulled it out of his button and we this is all that happened with it took me longer to tell the story then, like, this actually happened. We just, like, we had to get that car back on the back roads, you know? Yeah, it was incredible. I was like, you're Dylan right, you're is right. a movie character. I want oh, yeah. to write him into a movie. Incredible. There was another, there was another one he had where his, um, his fan belt broke. Or to his alternator. It had separate belts. This was before the serpentine belts, you know? His alternator broke. And um, you don't really need an alternator to drive, you know, but right. it, you, you can get... but. Um, so, but it was like yeah, you kind of do, but no, I know. What you're yeah, I mean, for a couple of hours, limited time without it. Right, right, right. But so he, so it was like the belt broke. But the reason it broke was because like the mount was broken, like or a bolt fell out or something, 
and he managed. I think so. I think the belt was still there, and the the, the mount broke or whatever. But he he used bungee cords, and he bungee corded enough tension on this alternator so he's able to drive home at night with his headlights on, <laughs> and, and and keep this thing spinning with bungee cords. Like the guy was just incredible, like that. Wow. Stupid things we do. Wow. Yeah. So, but that's not woodworking. There were just fun stories that popped in my head. Well, Dylan's clearly a legend. Yeah, we we we, um, we had a car that he had this the station wagon that we cut the roof out of with an angle grinder, but we left all the A and B pillars. We just cut the spaces out between the structure, and the idea was to um, put plexiglass over it with like four wing nuts holding it in place. You know, and it was like all three <laughs> roof panels. So, and we got to put a gasket around there, and we used to do stuff like that. And then somehow I ended up owning the car, and. Um, and then I, I drove it once, and I was all excited to have this stupid convertible, quote, convertible. And I drove it, like, up the street to get ice cream or something with my buddy, and it died in the parking lot. And we managed to get it back. I forget how we got it home, but it never ran again. I don't know why. <laughs> I like the idea of a DIY T-top. It was fun. Yeah, it was really cool. Yeah. I, I want to do it again, uh, but I don't really have the car that I want to do it to. <laughs> well, you, you know need- what? You uh, you didn't have a truck to turn into a jambulance either, but you managed that. So yeah, yeah. that's true. That's true. We got to get you a 1988 IROC Z28. That's a car you want to put a T-top on. It oh, probably already gosh. has them. <laughs> they, well, they actually uh, they the Firebirds came with the T-tops. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> um. I think I think we've given enough inspiration thus far. Am I right? Hmm. I believe I had, so. I one more. Some good inspirations. Yeah. You one, one more quick one, just to just to go back to the injury. Since we started with that, the last time I got stitches, and I'm gonna knock on wood while I tell the story. The last time I got stitches was when I had just finished filming a video of unboxing a bunch of safety gear for Vance Maker, and I was then opening said safety gear with my pocket knife. And I was opening the bubble package, and I, and I right into my hand. I cut, gashed my hand open, and got five stitches while filming a safety video. Do as I say, <laughs> not as I do. Fortunately, the that cameras are off. That was instructional. It was it was instructional. Yeah. Okay. The cameras are off at that point, but uh, but then so I'm there at the shop with Vance, and I had to, you know, I didn't want. He was like young. He was like five, and I wanted to freak out. You know, and right. so I, I was like trying not to let him see how big of a deal it was. I, I was instantly, before it even started the bleed, I was like, yep, that's five or six stitches. And I, I just covered it up and I was like trying to call my wife. I'm like, come pick up Vance. I got to run to the emergency room. Do it quickly, but let's not tell Vance we need him. We're in a rush, you know? And, uh, yeah. Too it's funny. Um, let's see here. iTunes review reviews. We got a few. Yeah. Yeah. Nice I work, Bill. That. Nice work, Bill. Uh, so we have. Four Americans and one from, I believe, the African nation of Bhutan. <laughs> is it from? Uh, that one. Is it, yeah. <laughs> no, is it really? <laughs> yeah, of course, obviously. Yeah, he's going in alphabetical order across the globe. But, oh, okay. uh, who, the, who's taking the, the welder chimp? I'll do uh, that. One. Okay. Uh, so this is the entertaining show, five stars by welder chimp. I came across this by accident. Three professional woodworkers that talk about making mostly guitars out of garbage. When not podcasting, I think they play in a band together and and on the back of a delivery truck uh, of some sorts. I'm going to keep listening. The Canadian guy's pretty funny. You get the, you get the funny props. All right. Um, by the way, I want to correct myself. Bhutan is not in Africa. It's in Southeast Asia. Uh, who's taking G. Willie? 
I got it. Uh, G. Willie said, this is a test with five stars. I listen to these guys every week, and yes, I have left them a five-star review, which they very diligently read on the podcast. But every week they continue to ask me to write a review. I didn't think I could leave more than one review, but I figured I would try. First thing I had to do was scroll to the bottom of their page in iTunes and click the link to leave a review. Since I had already left a review, all I could do was edit my review. Since it is an edit, it won't change how many five-star reviews they have. So here's the test. Will they read an edited review? It is still five stars. The answer, no, sir, the answer is, is no. no. Absolutely no. not. Absolutely Forget not. It. It's it's not going to work. Point? Don't try and trick us. We are the sharpest pencils in the shed. Block. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that will go with the uh, next review I'll take care of. Best catchphrase. There are so many. Sharpest pencils in the shed block. Yeah. Um, okay, yep, that was... <laughs> Sharpest pencils. By Thrush Lund, five stars, by the way. Thank you. Uh, coming in hot with five stars by Michael Seichow. I don't know if I pronounced that correctly. I'm sorry if I did not. Um, if you're looking for a woodworking slash making podcast that's sure to always provide you with insightful and thoughtful commentary on the matter, you have come to the wrong place. Oh, wait. Wrong place, it says. I was, getting ex- I was getting excited. Got him. He actually wrote AO. Got him, JK. All jokes aside, I love the constant banter between these guys. For me, it often feels like we're all sitting around a table having our preferred beverage, which is, of course, broccoli juice, <laughs> at the end of a long day uh-huh. while giving each other grief about the life choices we make on a daily basis. Also, what's up with Phil? This guy's a firecracker. He'll hit you with a verbal quip so fast that you wouldn't know what hits you. Moves like a butterfly, stings like a Canadian. And Bill, well, he's from the Bay, and us Bay Area folks stick together. Uh, hashtag yay area. As for Tim, I love, I guess it's love, but love you, Tim. So he loves me. So. I'll, 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 let here, let me, I love you, Tim. Okay, thank you. Thank That's you for the <laughs> dramatic you reading. You've got to be about five or six beers in to talk that way. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, and, thank and you, Michael. John made it on his travels. I don't know how he's getting through these quarantines but anyways I know. it's risky um title is honest review worst sci-fi podcast ever <laughs> <laughs> but if you like reclaiming then it's great i take offense to that john because we do some pretty good sci-fi uh, in these parts tim if you will uh, you know i just watched a video yesterday it was one of those youtube kind of clickbaity things where someone had 3d generated like oh, a hunt you saw it too all, all the, the ships. All the ships on Earth. Yeah. It starts in the New York Harbor, and they just show, like, all the ships from, like, the real space shuttles to, like, all these imaginary ships and stuff, all the way up yeah. to, like, the Death Star, and, yeah. Yeah, and, and bigger big even. They were, yeah, well, yeah. It was crazy than, cool. Yeah, planet crushers and stuff, you know. Yeah. I'll, I'll have I to, heard I'll have to share a link with you guys. A buddy of mine posted on Instagram. It shows a cityscape of these tall brick buildings. And floating over the top of them are these big blue whales, and it's just like like the uh, when the planes come in for a bombing, right? You just see all these planes; they're actually blue whales, and it looks so real. Yeah. It's so amazing. It's oh, so yeah. sci-fi. Clever. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. I like this. All right. So yeah. Uh, so I'd say we, we're second worst sci-fi second podcast. Worst, yeah. 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 For sure. Um, weekly tip segment. Don't touch the tip of your finger to a saw blade. There's your there's your weekly tip segment. Yeah, yeah. that's good. I ain't got one. Tim, I, do you have a real one? 
Uh, geez, I, I felt like I did, but I, I didn't. I forgot to write it down. I try to. I have this little list I work off of that I try to write that oh, stuff. Down. I got one. I got one. Go ahead. Uh, here we go. Always keep a pencil and paper handy for when you come up with tip ideas. Actually, I have this. Thank old, you. Good night. That is good. I have this old tip I never used because it wasn't a very good one, but it was, um, you know, like. Pin- <laughs> but I'll share well, we'll it with you guys here today with our audience anyway because we love them so much. Yeah. Well, it was, um, you know, like uh, what, they, they, what do they call them? Um, like, you know, like there's like a vision board. That's what they call them about, like vision boards. Yeah. You know, it's just sure. that, that idea is like to get off Pinterest and to not have a digital one, but to actually like have paper if you have ideas. Like actually print them and make them tangible because we're like makers. We work with our hands. And so when you see things that uh-huh. you, you like, you know, maybe like either like, you know, sketch it in wood or, you know, like literally like cutting on the bandsaw or something or draw it or but to make them tangible was kind of my tip. Like cut cardboard and hot glue it together, you know. Um, yeah. Prototype. Yeah. But yeah. Exactly. But to make it, but even if it's just like you know, like someday I want to make a dining table that's got this, these shapes. You cut it out of cardboard, stick it together, put it on the table, and then then you're like, because we always talk about it, such as like Bill, you and I do that where we take it apart in our head a hundred times. I mean, I think we all do. Um, but then if you actually like, you know, yeah, make a three D storyboard basically of things you want to do or vision. I like right. it. Yeah. I like it. I um, it's funny you say that because. I'm uh, I'm pretty tech savvy, so I, I've never been scared of like SketchUp or whatever. And I have done SketchUp plans, especially when I was working with sponsors. But if it's just for me, I I have some loose leaf and a and a pencil or a marker, or whatever, and I will make plans for something that I want to build, even things that I've never made. And it's sitting on a clipboard, like all this stack of paper of things that I want to make, um, you know, just drawn out that's hanging in the shop right now. See, I'm so interesting. I'm terrible with a pencil and paper. Like, I've just never been good at that. I don't really know how to draw perspective properly. So I love using, like, I use my Vectric software a lot to sketch ideas and shapes. I use SketchUp sometimes, um, but just to get the basic shapes together. But So what I've been doing lately is drawing the 2D profiles, you know, just in Vectric or whatever, and just cutting them out of my laser out of cardboard or holocore door or whatever and stuff like that. And so I've been making little models mm that way because I have because I just I suck with the, with scissors and I suck with a pencil but I'm pretty good with a laser right <laughs> huh. you know I, I suck huh. with the laser and, and all that stuff and I can't draw however don't be afraid what I do a lot is I just write down dimensions if I'm thinking of something mm. I'm going to build tabletop I write it down it's going to be you know four foot long it's going to be 28 inches wide it's going to be 17 inches tall whatever the case may be and write those dimensions down and keep that handy uh, it, w- when you're picking, especially when you're picking, if you, it's like, oh yeah. man, look at that! I got some material I can bring home. Well, I've got a whole yard full of garbage I can't use on this project. Do I need this stuff? You pull out your little dimensions out there. It's like, well, I do need a couple of boards that are 28 inches long, right? Yeah. So it's it's not I like bad that either. Because yeah. I can't draw for nothing. So it's like a wish list almost at that point. It is yeah. if you're if you're especially if you're like because sometimes I will pick a project and then I will go shopping for it by picking right and so I do I keep mm-hmm. a couple of notes in my in my pocket because if I spot something on the side of the road or if I want to go hit the industrial area where I know good dumpsters are I'll have that because I don't want to bring I don't want to bring home everything and I will if I if I don't try and curb myself I will take everything off the curb you know as opposed to what I just pun need. intended right pun intended pun intended good for you. You know, more people should have the courage to say that they intended those puns. Nobody unintentionally uses a pun. You know? So good on you. Um, what Thank grabbed you. your attention? Let's let's keep the Lutz train running here. What grabbed your attention this week? Well, there's a couple of things. Really quick, Walking Dead, 
last night, the so what they did was season 10 was 16 episodes, but they only showed 15, and then we waited forever, and they just showed that last half of the last season ender, so that was good. And following that was a new Walking Dead called The World Beyond. It premiered, so that was fun. However, we were talking about, uh, I'm thinking about doing something artsy and and what can I do about that? And you gave me some great ideas about the Bauhaus and everything. What caught my attention, Laura Comp just did a video. It's because she hasn't had a good idea. She's all, you know what? So this video is about is a thousand bad ideas. It doesn't have to be a good idea. Just do something, right? It doesn't always have to be great. And if you, if you, she's all, so this video is just to say that I don't have nothing to make this week. So while she's explaining that, she makes a really cool, like, mini desk out of an old suitcase, just, like, nonchalantly, like, it's, you know, Laura, she's amazing. But anyway, uh, check out Laura Comp. I just, that just struck me. It's just like, here's, you know, it doesn't have, we always think, you know, I need a really great idea to do something. No, you don't. Do something. And if it's a so bad I'll, idea, chalk it up. It's so all just practice yeah. for the next one until you die. Yep. There you go. Please stop saying that. That is a horrible thing to say, Tim. It's all practice that is literally for the awful. next one. It's so right. nihilistic. That's my favorite thing. Is just I used to work for this German chef, and he would just like say stuff like that. And I just I think it's funny. I'm just trying to be funny when I. Of course, because he is a nihilist. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. He was. weren't the uh, weren't the nihilists on Big Lebowski Germans? Well, yes. Yep. Yes. Yeah. 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 Well, nihilism he, is a German philosophy. Well, the, the chef Harry was. They a were characters. Chef Harry was a German Jew, and he was an infant and escaped uh, the war. So he, I, I mean, he, from the from the get go, he had some very nihilistic uh, experiences for sure. You know, I could see, I could see where yeah. that might cloud your worldview a little bit. You know, starting. You know, for the way. longest yeah. time, I thought nihilism was a style of boat in Egypt. I don't know why. <laughs> you do know why, and pun intended. <laughs> you did ba -ba intend that pun. Yes. Exactly. Uh, the mystique that is Bill Lutz. Um, <laughs> Tim, what uh, grabbed your attention this week? Uh, since we're talking TV shows, I think it's on Apple TV, if I remember correctly. It's Ted Lasso. It is a show. They just one season of it. They just finished airing the season. And it's I freaking loved this show. It's like one of my favorite like scripted shows that I've seen in a long time because it's it's like the the, the premise is he's a um, an American football coach and he gets a job in England as a football coach for you know a soccer coach um, right and he knows absolutely nothing about the sport um, but he's like his How much is there to know <laughs> right but I mean it's not about that but you know his character is what right. I what I love about the show is his character is just this like the exact opposite of what I was just saying like the you know anti-nihilist I guess you would say. he's just a super positive everything matters <laughs> well he, no just he's just super positive like um uh, like everything's okay. gonna be okay you know and right. uh yeah it's so not really anti-nihilist but but um just you know just like i it's just i love the it, this, it, i guess he's based off a beer commercial that the nfl did in a super bowl or something the whole character i don't know but and, and it's like you wouldn't think it would be good everything about it looks like it's not going to be good but it's just really good so that's my okay vision. i will check that out yeah um I'm on the uh, last season of Battlestar Galactica, and it occurred to me as I was watching it that I never finished this show, and that this is my first time going to be finishing the show. You never I'm finished so excited it? for you. You never saw never, the end? I think I, no. I think I what? always abandoned it, like, end of season three, beginning of season four. So, like, what I'm watching right now is, like, new to me, and I'm, like, freaked out. So it's very good. How uh, did you... Also, 
How, we are the worst sci-fi podcast ever. How did you never see the end of Battlestar Galactica? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. You know what? It was I'm, when I was watching it. It was a pretty turbulent time for me, so I must have had to stop watching it. I guess it was like in and around. I was watching the time like maybe it was around when my dad died, something like that. I don't remember, I, but I don't, I don't know I don't why know, I would have given up on it. it. I hope it was something major because. The, the privilege of having an excuse to not finish this show yeah, comes few and far between, Pinsky. Yeah, saying. no, I hear you. I hear you. I watched well, it on Netflix, and Netflix took it off the air before I finished. I was like four episodes from the end, and Netflix was just like, oh, we're oh done. It was like five, oh, six terrible. years ago. And my fortunately, my public library had it, so my wife went to the library and got it for me. I was able to watch the last, last four episodes. She's a well, good you're, kid, you're, that way. You're in you know? for a treat. Yeah. You're in for a treat, Phil. Yes. No, no doubt. No doubt. I heard it's a pretty good show. Um, but the other thing that I'm watching that is more maker-related, and I thought this was really cool. Frank Howarth just put out a video about making a miter saw stand, and he essentially took two sawhorses, turned a 2x8 into an I-beam, and then just made all these little attachments for the I-beam mm. and made it into a miter saw stand. And I thought that was really cool and just very inventive. Um, and totally modular. So you put the whole thing away. It's got like these four components: two that are the outfeed, two that are the uh, that the holders for the actual saw itself. The rest is a two by eight, and his sawhorses. So it all stows away into nothing. And uh, I thought it was very clever. Oh, cool. Very inventive. Cool. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I guess that's about it. Our websites are WilliamLutz.com, TimSway.net and newperspectivesmusic.com. Contact us for show topics, suggestions, feedback in the form of written or record your voice and email it to us, and we might play it on the air if it's cool and funny. Um, and again, that email address is info at reclaimedaudiopodcast.com. You can also hit us up on Twitter. I'd love to see some of that happening, at Reclaimed Audio. And on iTunes, Leave us those five-star reviews. Obviously, we do read out the edits, but we would prefer to get new ones. So if you haven't left us a review and you enjoy the show, please go ahead and leave, leave us a review. You can go to reclaimedaudiopodcast.com, and there is a link on there that will pop open your iTunes to the exact right place that you can leave a review. And lastly, patreon.com slash reclaimedaudio. For as little as $1 per episode, you get access to the pre-show, which is where the magic happens because it's not on the main show. And for $10 an episode, you get your name read out loud at the beginning with that list of, and I'm going to use the word here, I don't use it very often, heroes. Oh, heroes. These men and women are heroes for supporting this podcast. So join their ranks for a mere $10 an episode. And on that note, I wish you gentlemen adieu. What? I I was going to say one thing real quick we almost forgot. Klingspore Woodworking Shop, um, they just... uh, Negotiated a deal with us to. They're gonna basically have an event surround. It's it's built around us. We're just keep your eyes out because we're gonna be doing a talk. It's for built around us. It's built around us. They might have laughing? some other people and other things, but we're headlining yeah. the show for Klingspore and Woodworking yes. Shop. And we just thought I'd mention that anyway. Yeah. Bye everybody. It's a good point. I mean, they didn't really ask us, and the deal's not closed. But I'm glad you brought it up. We're, basically, we were hoping that they would invite us. Yeah. Right. Well, fingers crossed. Now they have to because we said it out loud. <laughs> That's the way the internet works. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
Cool, man. Have a great week, guys. You have to say, you have to say bye, everybody. And then I say bye, everybody. No, no, oh, no yeah, no. Bill you, says bye. You everybody. have a good. Five, have a good five years later, we don't know how this goes. Come on, let's throw the talk. I mean, Bill, say words. All right. All right, have a good week. No, I say have a good week. You say, oh, bye, everybody. But Be who's good. on first? <sighs> you just ruined it. You trampled my line. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. It all, it all doesn't matter anyways. <laughs> Be good.